today on Ag News Daily. You know, agriculture is a hard thing to predict, but if you're looking at where we are at uh, price-wise right now, we would be expecting 2024 to be less profitable than 2022 and 2021. Listeners, here we are, November 10th, 2023, Friday. We got to the end of the week, Delaney. We did, Tanner, and happy early Veterans Day. Oh, yes, it is certainly tomorrow. I appreciate you pointing that out and sharing that with us. Delaney, before I get into the weather, do you have any Veterans Day-related noteworthy items? Uh, Yes, actually, I do. So my uncle took the opportunity this morning to text me a little joke because when I was a kid and we were at church, we always had during our sermon time a children's story every Sunday. So the children would come to the front of the church Usually it was related to, you know, some sort of holiday or something going on, the time of year, whatever. And my minister at the time asked the children, do you know what day this weekend we are celebrating? And I raised my hand because I was super excited. I knew the answer, Tanner. And I said, yeah, we're celebrating Veterinarians Day. And of course, everybody in the crowd (laughs) laughed. I didn't understand what they thought was so hilarious because I had just gotten the answer correct. So my uncle texted me, happy veterinarian's day today. So my vet certainly appreciated the call out, but uh, nonetheless, yeah, we certainly appreciate those that have served in rural America as veterinarians, but also as veterans, Tanner. And that was the children's message last weekend that you went up to? Ha ha ha. No, it was from when I was a (laughs) child. Oh, excuse me. Well, yes, let's get into some news, get through this for our listeners today. We're seeing some rain developments in the forecast for parts of the Southern Plains that could turn into heavy areas as much as three inches could fall in parts of eastern and central Oklahoma. Some of the rain will be heavy, which could produce some widespread flooding further north. We're expected to have strong winds. Obviously, we've been battling that the last couple of days, but now if you go out west, parts of Montana could see sustained winds from 25 to 40 miles per hour with gusts up to 60. Obviously, gusts of up to 60 miles per hour cause loose debris, damage to property, could even cause power outages. So we'll see if there's something to report on Monday after we come back from this breezy condition, Delaney. Absolutely, Tanner. It's uh Not sure what it's going to be as far as weather goes in Europe, but I know a lot of folks are gearing up to head to Agritechnica next week in Hanover, Germany. Tanner, it's expected to be one of the largest events we see for agriculture, where we will see some top showcases of innovation, equipment, and other things for the agricultural industry globally, not just here for the United States. So looking forward to seeing all the headlines coming out of Agritechnica, but switching tracks here just a little bit, Tanner. As we look at our ports and waterways, we got an update from Mike Steenhook with the U.S. Soy Transportation Council that the U.S. Maritime Administration has announced some new recipients of their port infrastructure grant programs. And listed amongst those were some agricultural export facilities, specifically the DeLong Company's Agriculture Maritime Export Facility was listed for being the recipient of a $9.27 million grant. This port is located in Waukee, 
and will primarily be used to export DDGs to international markets via the Great Lake slash St. Lawrence Seaway. They're just heading into their phase two construction project, which will involve the construction of two grain storage silos, some electrical service upgrades, and additional grain handling equipment. Once phase two is done, they will be exporting an additional 120,000 metric tons of soybeans from that facility. And the Soy Transportation Council, excuse me, coalition also approved to help underwrite an additional $200,000 for that same facility as well. So they're getting a certainly nice bump in uh, infrastructure there. And hopefully we see more grants like this being awarded to those ports that serve heavily with agricultural infrastructure and commodities. That is certainly where the government is headed with that infrastructure spending bill that they passed a while ago, the trillion dollar plus spending bill. Tanner will hopefully get some facilitated into some additional port development. That's right. When you mentioned Agritechnica, it also got me thinking we do have the Farm Futures Business Summit coming our way. In the first couple weeks of January 2024, the 9th through the 11th, that will be again in Coralville. And when you look at the keynote speakers, there's certainly something to be inspired about, and hopefully you leave laughing. The summit will kick off with gold medal Olympic wrestler Dan Gable. He obviously is an Iowa native. Uh, Some of you have probably already got to hear him speak, but he will share many of his stories about perseverance and how he's met some really interesting people throughout his career and then you have comedian jerry carroll so jerry is uh been a farmer for more than 20 years decided to pursue his lifelong dream of making other farmers laugh and that's what his goal will be while you attend of course the farm future summit has much more in store than just the two keynote speakers uh but if you have more questions or would like to register yourself you visit farmfuturesummit.com to go and learn more there about this Iowa conference coming up here in January. Delaney, those will be here before we know it. Will you be attending that one, Tanner? I don't think uh, Farm for Profit will be at that one. I think we've got a conflict, um, if I remember correctly, on my calendar. So uh, might have to get to that one next year. Absolutely. It's a good one. I've been to it before. Tanner, do you think you're going to be hitting any big conferences coming up? I feel like you've got an interesting one here in the works. Yeah, so we'll be, uh, I think we're going to do multiple young farmer conferences for the Farm Bureau Administration, uh, which would be neat to see which states we end up landing in there. It'll be cool. I think we're headed to Tulare, California, to the World Ag Expo in February, and of course to Commodity Classic, and we might uh, have some more in store there. What about you, Delaney? Yes, I will be also at the Commodity Classic. That's the only one I for sure know I'm hitting this year. Uh, as far as big shows go, but be a bunch of smaller events as well. Absolutely. What do you got next for headlines? Let's see here. Well, not a ton of headlines today, as I think a lot of folks here are off celebrating Veterans Day a day early here. But as we continue to watch job forecasts and uh, job announcements, as well as just how companies are doing with their tax earnings and revenue earnings. Agricultural and construction machinery company CNH Industrial lowered their 2023 revenue forecast, citing a softening demand for their farm machinery, predominantly, however, in South America. This has sent shares plummeting, and the company also announced that they're going to be entering into a period of trimming their workforce. 
they're going to estimate about 5% of their salaried workforce costs will be reduced. And in total, they're aiming to have their workforce expenses reduced by 10 to 15%. That pushed shares down about 7.5% on the New York Stock Exchange. And Tanner, you know, as we think about this inflationary period that we're in, this is going to be, I think, one of the biggest indicators of where farm profitability is at is when we start to see more and more agricultural firms announcing these types of revenue forecasts being adjusted lower, as well as trimming to our jobs. I think that's how we're going to know that things are really starting to tighten down for the agricultural economy. And we're starting to see the shift head that way, not there fully yet, I think, as far as the ag space goes, but thought that was an interesting headline nonetheless for a little discussion on that. Yeah, certainly. And I do think those will be some of the key indicators. Another interesting headline I saw came out of Amsterdam. A Dutch, Dutch company has a product now that is aimed at ending the practice of culling baby male chicks. They've now received a 40 million euro, $42.6 million loan to scale up its operations. The European Investment Bank has made this investment. Billions of male chicks are killed globally each year shortly after birth as only hens are wanted for egg laying. Chicken eggs take about three weeks to hatch, uh, but as they've developed now a high-speed screening system, they can remove the male eggs only nine days into incubation. So uh, looking at making that process much more rapid for the poultry industry. Their founder said that they would use the funding to expand internationally, and they look to continue to build their importance involvement in the field of animal welfare and sustainability in the poultry sector. I didn't realize that Delaney, that that number of male chicks is cold, uh, but it makes a little bit of sense. Unfortunately, you'd think there'd be other uses for those little birds, but this could be a much more humane way to go about making sure that those hens for layers are what those producers are raising. Well, Tanner, you know, it's interesting. You have some poultry news there. I do as well. I think this is a little bit of a related follow-up to the story I shared about the new poultry transparency uh, program that the Biden administration is putting forward. Cook Foods, one of the largest chicken processors, has reached a proposed settlement agreement with the U.S. Department of Justice after some allegations made by farmers that Cook threatened them with steep exit penalties transpired. The Department of Justice filed this complaint on Thursday in the U.S. District Court for Northern Illinois, and it also filed a proposed settlement. The story here is that two ranchers and two farmers, excuse me, said and in the filing that Cook Foods threatened them with some very steep exit penalties if they decided to try to leave Cook and grow chickens for another poultry processing facility. This case is very highly correlated to the Department of Agriculture's Stockers and Packer, Packers and Stockyards Act that, of course, has been part of the ongoing discussion here as we see more transparency coming to the protein industry. But those penalties that the farmers were alleging there said they were ranging anywhere from $24,000 to $56,000 or in some cases up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the penalties were as much as 100% of the farmer's annual take-home income in some cases. So nonetheless, it sounds like they have come to some sort of settlement agreement there. Certainly not good PR for Cook Foods, Tanner. No, that would uh, a penalty like that would incentivize me to stay, obviously. <clears throat> so 
quite interesting there. Last I've got just some updates uh, again from coming in from uh, the Middle East. U.S. Secretary gave his most direct comments yet on Gaza. He said far too many Palestinians have been killed. The U.S. is offering firm support to Israel and they are looking to shift to providing a different angle in the next coming days. A hospital in Gaza was hit with strikes near the vicinity of two other hospitals in the Northern Territory where fighting is now raging. The comment on those strikes states that they are accusing Hamas of embedding civilian infrastructure into some of their strategic targets. Israel is announcing another evacuation corridor that allows Gazans to free uh, flee on Friday. Tens of thousands have left, but that is still only a small portion of the millions that are trapped. And of course, U.S. diplomats are working to see if they can do anything to get a ceasefire to happen sooner. But that's what I've got for headlines today. Great. Well, I am out of headlines here this morning, Tanner, aside from taking a look at the markets. And of course, yesterday after the WASD report, we saw corn especially push lower there on higher yields. But this morning, corn is trading just slightly lower or on kind of the side of unchanged. December corn down a penny this morning at 467. As we look at soybeans, of course, we saw just a very slight yield increase yesterday on that WASC report. But the Brazilian forecast remains hot and dry, so certainly we should think that that will weigh out here in the markets as well. November soybeans down two and a half cents at 12.80 and a quarter. As we take a look in the wheat complex, December Chicago wheat is flirting with neutral here, up just a half a cent as of recording this, heading into the opening session with five at 5.81. December hard red winter wheat down half a cent at 6.46. And December spring wheat down three and a quarter cent at 7.31 and a quarter. So we take a look at livestock tanner. Of course, yesterday they had an ugly day closing limit down in the December live cattle contract at 505. We'll open this morning at a buck 7435. January feeder cattle also closed the expanded limits down $7.85 at 22492 and December lean hogs ended up the day in the red as well down a half a cent at 7145. Tanner as we think about farmer profitability here in 2023 Crop insurance is a big way that I know a lot of producers look to protect some risk on the table. So we're going to talk about 2023 crop payouts today with Gary Schnitke. Well, Tanner, I think it's a good time of year to talk goal setting, farm profitability, and the outlook for 2024. And we're going to get to that here in a second. We've got to wrap up 2023 first. Chatting today with an agriculture economics professor for the University of Illinois, Gary Schnitke. Some of our listeners probably follow along with Gary at the University of Illinois, but Gary, thanks for joining us this morning. It's good to be here. Absolutely. Gary, I think 2023 set up to be a very interesting year as you think about revenue and crop insurance. You know, we just got our fall crop insurance prices set as of now. Give us a little 10,000 foot view of you know, where we were in the springtime compared to where we are now with fall crop insurance prices. Yeah. So in the spring, we, uh, we, we actually set a crop insurance price projected price. And this is based on February prices of 591 for corn, 
1376 for soybeans and those are actually pretty good prices or you know relatively high compared to history and you know that that was a result of uh conflict in ukraine and and uh and drought in southern brazil where we had those higher prices and uh, and as we went through the year we thought we might have drought reduced yields in the united states that hasn't turned out to be nationally the case there are pockets of dryness that have reduced yields but overall a uh, pretty near trend yield and that has resulted in a decline in our in our prices over that time you can see that on our harvest price which is set in october so for corn we're at 480 for corn for our harvest price that's uh uh below the 591 price it's 83% of the uh the the uh, uh projected price so if we have uh crop insurance policies rp and rphpe that we're at the 85 percent level and we don't have yields above our guaranteed or aph yield we'll have a payment at 85 percent soybeans we are at 1284 for the harvest price that's 93 percent of their 1376 um so you know, 93% means we'll have to have a yield loss, even if we bought the highest coverage level of 85%. So we're going to, on the RP and RPHPE prop policies, see some payments across the Midwest, Iowa, Illinois, Ohio, Indiana. Um, but you're going to, for corn, you're going to have to see uh, a little bit lower yields than your guarantee yields and for soybeans you know some yield loss but there are farms that experience that so on a typical year you referenced our spring price was high relative to history on a typical year what is the number of claims is there an average amount of crop insurance claims that gets paid out annually yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I So, you know, in the past, oh, five or six years, we've seen very little crop insurance payments in the Midwest on both corn and particularly on soybeans. We've had good yields, um, good yields, and, and, and that has caused a uh, few claims. We've, we look, when we look at loss ratios, they're, they're very low. This year, you know, we're, we're likely to have a higher loss ratio. It's still not going to be exce exceptionally high. The last time we had a widespread payments on crop insurance across the Midwest was 2012. And Iowa had some payments in, during the duration year, um, which was 2020, 2020, I believe, so... But so so that that gives you a feel. We haven't had seen lar large losses in a while. You mentioned, Gary, that you don't think we're going to see maybe large losses. We're certainly going to see some losses this year triggered by the revenue protection RP policy. But how many farmers would you estimate have that policy? Do most farmers just carry that as a general rule of thumb? Yeah, in the Midwest, RP is used by... 90% of the policies. And if you're looking at the most productive regions of Iowa and Illinois, most farmers buy 80 and 85%. 
if you look at southern Iowa and southern Illinois, it's 75, 80% that predominate. Um, so, but we see most farmers using RP. Um, that's over 90% of the policies. And most of them buy up at pretty high levels, 80 and 85% and 70 and 75% uh, for less productivity. Yeah, that's. I'm glad that you put that into perspective. So it sounds like on the corn side of things, a majority of producers should pay attention to where their yields came in this fall because it might trigger a pay. Yep, that's absolutely right. Particularly on corn, we're like we are, we will see some farmers that have payments. They should be getting ahead a hold of their crop insurance agent and getting that uh, process going. The other thing that I would tell farmers to figure that out, and it's coming on that uh, time of tax planning, and as they're planning taxes, they might want to get a pretty good handle on what their crop insurance payment's going to be because that will be taxable income. So if we're doing tax management, we probably need to know that, or it would help to know that number. Yeah, I know we've started doing some tax planning for the 2023 growing season as well. So it's a good reminder to our listeners to think about that as they head into that season. But Gary, beyond 2023, we've got to talk a little bit about farm profitability here, expectations for 2024, because it seems like across the board, we're really starting to hear sentiment that 2024 is going to be a less profitable year for farmers. From your perspective, where do we head in 2024? Yeah, you know, agriculture is a uh, hard thing to predict, but if you're looking at where we are at uh, price-wise right now, yeah, we would be expecting 2024 to be less profitable than the 2022 and 2021. Overall, we've seen most corn and soybean farmers have uh, pretty good years in 2022 and 2021 and 2020 for that matter. Um, we're We're when we're making projections for the upcoming year, we're sort of saying we're back to that uh, uh, 2016 to 2019 period. So go much lower profitability. So, and again, you know, we're, we're look we're using sort of like 480, 450 for corn for next year, which is, um, not as low as it was during that period, but our cost have really want, gone up. And only fertilizer has come down, maybe. So we're looking at lower profitability for next year right now. Again, the world can change quickly, but uh, lower profitability is our expectation. So as we have this short conversation here, What's something else you think would be valuable for our listeners to know or to consider before we wrap up? Yeah, I would just say we we're 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 moving into a different environment now. We're going to have higher interest rates um, for the foreseeable future. You know, we we we've got used to um, below five percent on a lot of interest rates. You won't find those anymore, and higher levels of inflation not 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 very not not exceptionally high but still higher so you know we're we're just moving into this tighter environment uh it's going to be a 
less uh, it's it's going to take uh, more to keep our profitability in there so get those budgets out again so Absolutely. Well, Gary, we certainly appreciate you joining us today on the podcast to chat about all these topics. Thanks again. Well, it's nice to be here and thanks for having me. Well, there you go, listeners. Thanks for sticking around. And again, happy Veterans Day tomorrow to all of our veterans. But we'll be back again on Monday with a Market Monday conversation. But for today, what do you say? Should we let them go? Let's let them go. 